World War Me. It's the struggle, the war that rages inside each and every one of us. And the truth is there are a couple of me's that each of us has to experience. You know, the me that is locked in this temporary world and the me which actually can see our lives as bigger than that, eternal in God. And the me we focus on is the me that wins. And that's really what this series is all about. And it's all from the book of Psalms because God tells us that, that we really can have victory in this war that rages within, but in order to have it, we really do need to understand him. The Psalms need to become the reality of our lives and our stories. This weekend, we're looking at Psalm 63, and to, to really help you to see the reality and the truth of Psalm 63, I, I was thinking through... Uh, some of the things that I've learned in my wandering on this planet for the last five plus decades. And one of the things that I've, I've realized is that you, you can live having never tried or experienced something and not really care or feel like it's of any loss that you missed anything. You, didn't, you don't know it. You've never experienced it. Big deal. It's, you know, nothing to you. But then when you do experience it, then it becomes an absolute necessity in your life. I mean, you can go a whole lifetime not experiencing it, and it doesn't matter. You're not missing anything. But then when you experience it, if it's a certain kind of thing, you, you can't live without it. Have you ever had this experience with things? i give you an example in my life. HDTV. <laughs> Serious business, right? I mean, who watches standard definition anymore? I, it's like, I, I, I used to, and I used to think when I, my old televisions, I thought they were awesome, you know? They weighed a thousand pounds, they took 800 square feet of space in your house, you know? Took 84 people to lift them, but man, they were awesome. You'd, you'd invite people over to watch football and television, and now, Look at if you invited me to your house to watch the biggest game in the history of the National Football League on standard definition, I'd say I have better friends than you. I mean, I, I'm not coming over. But when I had standard definition, no high definition, I, I didn't know what I was missing. I thought I was watching football. Then on high definition, I realized I didn't even know what shape the football was in on standard definition. I didn't, you don't even know what you're watching. Just one, have you ever seen standard definition? definition since you've watched HD? It's like this blur on television. It's crazy. So you can go your whole life not experiencing it. You don't know what you're missing. It's no big deal. But once you experience it, you can't live without it. And it's not just HD television. You know, now HD has influenced our computers. You can't have just a computer. You need a retina display or something like that, right? You, and now I got bad news for you. It's going to be bad for all of us. Now, HD is nothing compared to 4K and 5K, so good luck. But, but once you experience it, it changes you. And it's not just in the media. It's in real life, too. When I was a young dad, and I've always kind of been a coffee dude, right? I just really like coffee, and uh, I used to have to stay up late and get up early and be messing with our kids, taking them to school and all that. And, and I used to always stop at, like, the local gas station, walk in, get, you know, like... 45 cent cup of coffee that was about this big, you know, from the, got my coffee from a gas station, right? And I, 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 it was great. Kept me awake, things were good. And then someone gave me Starbucks. 
oh my gosh, I didn't know what I was missing, but I hadn't been drinking coffee. I don't know what, this is where they get rid of the oil from our oil changes in their coffee. I mean, I, when I had a Starbucks, it was real coffee. And some of you, you know, now I'm, I can't go back. I'm sorry, I just can't go back. I want to drink real coffee. Some of you still don't know what you're missing. You know, you drink Tim Hortons, stuff like that. No, nah, it's like, just a, just a thought. But seriously, you can go your whole life and not experience it and not know what you're missing. I, same thing growing up. I had a, I, you know, I hope my mom doesn't watch this talk. I love my mom just dearly, but you know, our food was bland. I'm just telling you right now. It was like, have you heard of salt and pepper, mom? That kind of thing. It was just not a lot of spice to it and those kind of things. And, but, but here's what's really, I, I, I didn't realize this, but my parents were cheap and I didn't know this all my life. All my life, my parents fed me cheese, just like, you know, you grew up probably with cheese. Everybody likes cheese. I know it's not good for your heart, but who cares? Who wants to live if you can't enjoy your food? And, uh, but they served us cheese. But then I got married. And I'm not kidding, it wasn't until I got married that I discovered that I had never really eaten cheese. It was Velveeta my parents were feeding us. That, that's not cheese, friends. I don't know what it is, but it's not cheese. And so it's like, my wife, I'm married. My wife introduced me to hard cheese, like, like cheddar and Swiss and, uh, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what Jesus intended when cows gave us cheese, right? This was, I, I didn't know what I was missing, but once I experienced it, it changed everything. I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back. Uh, same thing was true with, with phones. I, uh, you know, first of all, I, I grew up, I, some of you are young, you don't even know this is true, but I grew up where phones were only in our houses and they were these rotary things. Okay, yeah, we all know that sucks, but it's like, but in the day of cellular phones, I thought I was really in the money when I got my bag phone. You know, it was a, it, it was a phone in a bag. I'm not kidding. I carried it around like, you know, it's a little bag phone kind of a deal. Pull it out. Hey, how you doing, president? You know, but it was weird. How many of you, I'd be curious, how many of you had a bag phone? No kidding, right? Greatest thing in the history of the world, not... I couldn't call people from the church because they don't, they, I'd go, hi, I'm calling, because I care about you. Where are you? I don't know. It's like, it was a really weird thing. And then I got the greatest phone ever made. I got the Blackberry, right? It had like this keyboard right on the face of that thing. And I could punch in these things. I was, it was awesome. And you know, Apple said they had this phone and everybody's going, oh, it's great. And I said, I've got a Blackberry, man. You know, I got my Blackberry. And then I got an iPhone and I'm going to tell you, I started worshiping at the altar of what a phone is supposed to be. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, iPhone, it changed my world. And once again, I didn't know what I was missing until I got my iPhone. And some of you, I still get feedback. Every time I mention iPhone, oh, stop talking about iPhone, blah, 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 blah. And so you don't know what you're missing, those of you who use Android. But uh, here's the thing. <laughs> when you experience a real phone, then you'll not ever want to go back. And it's true in every area of life. For me, it was true in parenting. I mean, I obviously, until Roxanne and I got married and started having children, I had never been a parent. And I, I didn't know what I was missing, right? I mean, I, I mean I, life was great. Who needs kids? That kind of thing. And then we had kids. And I'm going to tell you, all right, this really isn't a good example of my point. Um, because <laughs> there are really times that I'd like to go back on that one. But, uh, but I, I'll tell you, a good example is being a grandparent. That's something I never want to go back on right there, you know? It's like, 
I would have started being a grandparent if it was humanly possible because it's fantastic. Here's the reality. You don't know what you're missing until you experience it. And then when you do, you can't, or at least you don't want to, live without it anymore. Now listen, this is really important. It's exactly this way with God. Exactly. Billions of people, and I know, and I'm so thankful that you're here, some who fit this category come to Northridge, and you are absolutely welcome, but billions on this planet live without God, and, and they don't care. They, they don't think they need him. They have no interest in him. They may even have contempt for him because of all the negative press that God gets in this world of ours. But the reality is that they just don't know what they're missing. Now, they know something's missing because there's not a human being alive who haven't, hasn't experienced the, the reality of Jesus' fulfillment in their life that, that doesn't know there's got to be something more. I've talked to people from every spectrum of, of life and every spectrum of marketplace success and, and without Christ, every single one of them says there's got to be something more, something that can add meaning. There's something missing. And, but they, they don't care about God. They're not interested in God. They don't want to hear about that. They've already dismissed him as being irrelevant like I would have dismissed the idea of, of a different phone or a different kind of television they, it's because they've never experienced it. The reality is they don't know, and maybe this applies to you, you don't know what you're missing. But once you experience God, it changes everything. Everything. And this is the truth of Psalm 63. You see, when we genuinely experience God, I mean genuinely, I'm not talking about religion because you can experience religion and this isn't true of you. And it's, I'm not talking about church because you can experience church and churches and, and this not be true of you. But when you genuinely experience God, he becomes your passion. And nothing else in the world can satisfy you. Have you experienced him? Psalm 63 is the great example of this truth. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. You, God, are my God. David is the one who wrote this. He was a, a king in the Old Testament who, who experienced God so profoundly. It changed his whole life. And, and in this psalm, he's saying, you, God, are my God. I... I I've, I've really come to know you. I know you. And because I've experienced you, this is the reality of my life. Earnestly, fervently, passionately, I seek you. In fact, God, because you're my God, because I've experienced you, I now thirst for you. Because you're the only thing that can satisfy my soul. My whole being longs for you. You're, you're what I long for. I used to think it was power or, or glory or or material blood. I used to think it was pleasure. No, you are what my whole being longs for. You are what's missing in my life. It's like, it's like when I live without you, I'm in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I need you or I'm going to be thirsty no matter what I've experienced. And that's what he's saying here in Psalm 63. He's saying there's no way I'd ever go back. This, I, I need you. Once David experienced God, he knew he couldn't live without him. Passion for God consumed him 
And I know this is not true of a lot of people who call themselves Christians and not true of a lot of people who call themselves religious and maybe not true of some of us here. But all that means is that we haven't yet genuinely experienced God in spite of the church, in spite of religion, in spite of what we say because when we do, the same is true of us as is true of David. We become passionate about him. We passionately search and long for him because we know nothing else will do. The contrast between God and this world, once we've experienced God, we understand is extreme. It's like the difference between an uninhabitable desert and a tropical paradise. You can't compare the two. Once you experience him, nothing else will do. Passion for him consumes you. Have you experienced him? In Psalm 63, verses 2 through 5, he literally paints pictures of, of what it's like once we experience God. And this is important for us to know because it's the only way we're ever going to be able to truly assess whether we know him or not. Look what he says. He says, I've seen you, God. I've seen you. I, in a world without you, in a world where darkness reigns, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen you. And when he saw him, what did he see? He, I beheld your power and your glory. And this is really important because what, what is all of humanity longing for in this world? Power and glory. Boy, if I had a different career path or if I had a promotion or if I had this or if different circles of friends would accept me or if this would happen or that would happen if I had money or if I this then then I'd have you know happiness because that'd give me power and that'd give me glory no it wouldn't because it doesn't matter what your experience those things will never fill you and David got this because he was a king he knew what power is like he was rich he knew what prosperity was like but he also knew it was absolutely nothing in contrast to God because he experienced God and he says God I've seen you the reason I thirst for you and you only the reason I'm passionate and consumed with the idea of walking with you is because I've seen your power and there's nothing on earth that compares to it and I've seen your glory and there's nothing on earth that compares to it nothing else will do he says, you want to know, I've seen you, God, and because I've seen you and experienced you, I know that your love is better than life. He's saying, look at, I used to think that life was awesome and grand and I could experience this thing if this had happened, this happened, but now you're my God and I've realized the love that I experience in you is the only thing that makes life worth living. If you haven't experienced God, you don't know what you're missing. Because life goes from not just standard definition to high definition. It goes from black and white to color when you experience him. And I mean, his love is better than life. And so he says, my lips will glorify. I have to response. My, I'm not looking for glory anymore. I'm wanting to give you glory. He says, I, I've seen you, so I'm going to praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. My whole life is going to be dedicated to you because I've experienced you. Used to be dedicated to power. Used to be dedicated to, to getting my own glory. Used to be dedicated to pleasure, but not anymore. It's, it's you, God, I'm dedicated to. And he says, in fact, then sums it up. I've seen you, so I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. You know, he's saying... No more Velveeta for me. <laughs> With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Once 
experienced, God becomes the standard by which we assess everything else. Now, if, you, you don't, if you've never experienced God, then you're assessing life based upon the standard of your experience. And you don't know what you're missing. It's like when I used to watch football on standard definitions. Awesome. No one. Sucked. But I didn't know it. And the same is true in life. Once you've experienced God, all of a sudden you assess everything according to that. Everything changes everything. You see, he becomes the one we want to please. Because we've seen his power, we've seen his glory, we've seen who he is, and we've seen everything else, and nothing measures up, and he's the one we want to please. Because of what he's done for us, we become passionate about pleasing him and living for his pleasure and sharing his love and hope. In fact, here's what I've, I've seen, and, and David pictures it in verses two through five. I, you, you cannot be experiencing God and be apathetic at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. If you're experiencing God, you're going, to be, you're going to be worshiping him and lifting him up and seeking his pleasure and thirsting for him. You can't be apathetic. You're going to be investing your life in his pleasure when you're really experiencing him. The only way we can be apathetic is by not experiencing God. And that's sadly where so many of us are. Me included at times. Psalm 63, verse 6 goes on. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. You know, he's saying, here, I've, I've experienced you, God. And so, and I hope you'll get this. You're all I can think about. Day and night. Can I just tell you, if you've genuinely experienced God, he invades the territory of your thoughts in every part of life. If you can go a week at work and think only about work and not God, guess what? You're not experiencing God. You, you're just not. <laughs> Psalm 63, 70 says, because you're my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. He, he becomes what we sing about. And you know, it's sad where so many of us are singing so many songs about our success, about our life, about our love, about our pleasure, about all this different stuff. But when you've experienced him, he's what you want to sing about because he's the one you thirst for, you long for, the one that's satisfied you. When you experience him, you become passionate about him, are you? He, he goes on in Psalm 63, 8, I cling to you. Your, your right hand upholds me. He says, when we experience God, we become... God becomes what we cling to. God becomes the only one we look to for security. And he shows it in Psalm 63, verses 9 and 10. He says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They'll go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, God, oh, yeah, God's going to wipe them out because they're attacking David. No, look at, he's going, the ones that are attacking me are the people who don't experience God. And they are choosing a pathway that will lead to their own self-destruction. They don't know what they're missing. They're leaving a hole at the center of their lives. I know it. They're fighting for all the wrong things they're going to lose every time. But because I've experienced you, I'm not them anymore. It's just an amazing thing. And then he says in 63.11, the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God will glory in him. The, the mouths of those who lie, who don't really know him, will be silenced. In other words, it's only those who know God that experience life. He becomes our source of hope and he becomes our source of joy because he really is everything. Oh God, you are my God. 
I thirst for you, I long for you as a dry, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Is this, is this your experience or are you just kind of into a religious deal? Kind of into a church thing. If you go to church once in a while, everything's okay. You don't know what you're missing. I, I wanna share with you a negative reality and a positive reality that flows out of the psalm that it can change us if we see it. The negative reality is pretty simple. With, without God, no matter what great things we experience in this life, in this world, we will always still be hungering and thirsting for more. I mean, you got to get this. Because we're trying to quench our thirst and fill our emptiness by, by you know, maybe a promotion, maybe a better bank account, maybe, you know, a better spouse, maybe better kids, maybe, you know, whatever. Maybe a better pastor. That one you could probably find pretty quickly just down the block. But that's, I mean, we're, we're hungering and thirsting for these things, thinking it'll satisfy. But just know this. Without God, whatever great things you experience in this life will leave you hungering and thirsting for more. It's just a fact. God says it through Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, you didn't have God in your life. You were without hope because you were without God in this world. Without God, it doesn't matter what you experience. It'll leave you hungering and thirsting, are you? Think about what you've been hungry and thirsting for. Usually, here's what we are. We become, our passions are very selfish. We, we're pursuing things to, you know, start filling the emptiness. And it just leaves us just as empty. And we keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And what we're missing, we don't know it often, is God. Is God missing? There's a positive reality as well, and this is really important that flows right out of this psalm with God, and let's look at this one from the opposite perspective. Without God, doesn't matter what great things you experience, you're still hungering and thirsting. With God, no matter what tragic and desperate things we experience in this world, we'll still be satisfied. That doesn't mean we'll like it, doesn't mean it'll feel good, doesn't mean we won't hurt, we will. But, but with God, doesn't matter what what terrible things happen, we'll still be satisfied with him because he's the one that quenches our thirst, not the stuff he gives. And it won't stop there. When we really experience God in our lives, with God, we, even when we're experiencing life at its worst, we'll still be grateful because you see, when you've experienced God, you're not grateful for the things God gives you, you're grateful for God himself. And I'm telling you, too, yeah, that's worth clapping for. Too many of us think that life was better when God was giving us some things, and too many of us think that life is worse when we don't get those things, and we're ticked at God over these things. We're, we're just proving we're not experiencing him, because when you're experiencing God, you know he is the great gift. He is the great one who can fill our emptiness. Are you experiencing him? And when you're experiencing God... Even in all the terrible things that are going on, you're, you're still generous. You know why? It's because if you've got God, your cup's overflowing. You know how Psalm 23 says it. 
In verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I lack nothing. And then in verse five, it says, my cup overflows. Do you know the people who aren't generous are the people who feel like they have an empty cup or a half-filled cup. The cup doesn't have enough in it, and so they have to keep you know, putting into the cup. And that's life without God. Do you know who's generous? Not the rich. Some of the richest people in the world are the least generous people in the world. You know who's generous? The people who know their cups overflowing, those are the ones who know God, are you? Is that you? You living like this or like this? It's all about experiencing God or not. And just so you can see it in a picture form, I, it's one thing to talk about in theory, I think it's good to see it in picture form, don't you? And so just so you can see it in picture form, let me give you the, an example from the Bible. Paul, the apostle, Paul. David's an Old Testament guy, and. He experienced this. He wrote Psalm 63. Paul's a New Testament guy. And you need to know, Paul, like David, was, you know, circumstantially in a really good place. I mean, he was a Roman citizen. Couldn't get much better than that. He was born in, you know, a really good religious family. And that religious culture was really important. He got the best of education, we find out. Studied under one of the greatest, you know, tutors of the day. And he, he was set up for a great position in life. He was, he was climbing the ladder and he was set up for great prosperity in life. And he just thought everything was good. He didn't know what he was missing until he met Jesus. And it changed everything. Everything he once valued, he no longer valued because he knew Jesus was all he needed. Look at how he says it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He says, I once thought... These things, you know, power, pleasure, prosperity, all this stuff that I had. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. In comparison to Christ, they're nothing. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I thought standard definition was it. Turns out it's not. Then he says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage. What I used to count as my treasure, I now see as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. You know what he's saying? Look at, without God, all the great things I experienced turned out to just leave me hungering and thirsting. But with God, even having nothing, I'm still satisfied and grateful and generous. It changes everything. But still, we can sit here in the 21st century and say, you know, come on, this is like thousands of years ago. Doesn't happen now. Wrong. Because it's as true today as it was then. Let me, I think, let's give a contemporary story of this. And I think the best way to set you up for the context of this story is by showing you the trailer of the movie about the person of this story. His name is Muli. Watch this. Remember one day I woke up and everybody had gone. I was abandoned, a child without parent. I became a beggar. I became a street boy. I walked to the city of Nairobi to get a new life. I was so happy. I have a family, I have a car, I had a dream. I want to do business formed Muliways Agencies Limited. And then my dad had a monopoly in oil and gas. It was my time. 
I was really tormented by these boys in the street. I saw faces of me and I could not work anymore. I cried, why is it that God wanted me to take me back again? I will never, ever work for money again. That's called total madness, that's what it is. that he needed to sell everything and start helping the poor in the society, the children who are abandoned. How do you let go of what you, you hold dearly? And how do you decide when to share your love? Kenya was burning. We can't let this happen. We have to do something. The children did not have food. If we don't step in, children are going to die. We had three children, four children, and the number kept on growing. He said, welcome, this is your family now. These are all your brothers and sisters. That is a miracle. We are one family. We are one Kenya. When I remember that, I see the impossible becoming possible. Would you welcome Charles Mooley to Northridge Church? <laughs> Well, the movie's awesome, and we're going to be showing it here tonight, and, but uh, having you live and in person is even better, so thank you, Molly, for coming. I appreciate it so much, and uh, yeah, you can go, you can go at that. Um, we, uh, you just saw by your reception, we at Northridge highly value those who want to take the love of Jesus Christ to those who are experiencing the worst on this planet, the impoverished, the poor, the abused, the hurting, and that's why we so love and cherish your story, because you believe the same thing, and we're just committed to helping children here and around the world as you are. So, but, but you were one of those children, Molly. You were born into an impoverished family in Kenya. You're, uh, I mean, your dad was an abusive man, addicted to alcohol and drugs. You were born, and then ultimately, you were left by your family alone in Kenya as, a, as just a poor boy. Talk about what happened when your family left you and what changed you at the end of that when you were 16. Thank you. Uh, having gone through all the problems and the experience of lacking food, shelter, security, parental love, well, I became really hopeless completely. At uh, the age of 16 years old, as I was wondering, what should I do with all this problem and uh, hopelessness and uh, I'd never had anywhere where I could say, this is my home. I couldn't see where my parents were. And so through that, I wanted to commit uh, suicide, you know, take away my life, uh, because I saw that there was no meaning in my life. At the age of that age of 16 years old, as I was a desperate and standing somewhere, then a young man came across and uh, saw me desperate and invited me to go with him somewhere. I did not know exactly where. 
but as I followed him, even today, you know this today, I see him as an angel of the Lord coming to rescue me out of the, my, 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 my desperation. And therefore I went uh, to, to, to with that man and I found young people dancing. They were really very happy. And um, the pastor who came to bring the word, he spoke about the forgiveness of our sin and how the Lord Jesus came to die for me, to die for everybody in the world. And therefore, I remembered how the bitterness that I had toward my father and also my mom. And uh, in a moment, then the Spirit of God touched me and I surrendered completely myself, those bitterness, everything. I, gave, I forgave my father even though I had never seen him for over 10 years. I also did the same to my mom and the pastor prayed for me. I received Jesus Christ as my personal savior. My life changed and then I could see far because of hope in Christ Jesus Amen. after this day. That's awesome, yeah. awesome. And that's what we're committed to here, helping to wake people up to the reality of Jesus because it can change everything. In fact, just as an aside, someone invited him to church and God used that to totally transform his life. And you know, there are people all around you who are desperate for hope and you could just invite them and that could change their life like it did yours. And then, you're, I mean, because you were no longer carrying the anger and the bitterness and the baggage of that and Jesus freed you, you, you went forward in life positively and <clears throat> you actually went to Nairobi, you got, got a job, you then bought a car, you turned it into a taxi, you're an entrepreneur, you bought a bunch of cars and taxis and buses and you became a rich and wealthy guy. But that just didn't do it for you because then God came and he asked you to do something very, very interesting. Tell us about God's call in your life and what you did as a result. I think worked very hard and then uh, moved to a really great entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Well, God called me in a very special way as I was in the city of Nandrovi. I had driven over 320 kilometers away from Edori to Nairobi to do business. And then I found a gang of street boys, and these street boys were, you know, they showed me where to park, uh, you know, my car, and then they demanded some money from me, and I asked them, why should I give you money? Well, this parking does not belong to you. And then I shut the door of my car, went that five minutes around, that 35 minutes, I came back and I found my car was not there. <laughs> so, so you didn't give them money, but they got a car, right? Yeah, okay, I, I get that. That's crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they, they got the car. I never, and I've never, having reported the, this matter to the police station in the year 1986, up to this now, I've never heard about that vehicle. And that was the beginning of me thinking about myself. For three years, from 1986 to 1989, I was thinking so much deeply, why didn't I give these young people something? And again, when I saw children crying, women and everybody, those who were poor, I remembered my time. And I saw myself 
my eyes into them. And that gave me, really for three years, time of searching, time of asking God, what do you want me to do? And one day, November 17th of 1989, I could not work anymore, and therefore, God really, in a very powerful way, um, convicted me, and I accepted that call. I said, yes, Lord, please, here I am, use me. And from that time, I got the, really the greatest joy in my heart. And I started now thinking how I can do to be able to give everything because God asked me to give everything, including myself. The money is number two. Yeah. Number one is a person. Yeah. Then family comes also after. Mm -hmm. You know, you, family, and the money. And so it came to me to, to love the Lord because this man from Judea, he came to Jesus Christ. He wanted some, something to know. And this was about um, salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, um, you know, he asked Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, you know, saw him and then looked at him. He asked him, have you fulfilled the law of Moses? This man was quick to say yes. And then immediately Jesus told him, go, sell your possession, come and follow me. So this is not different from that man of Judea. But uh, our choices in this world, you choose exactly what is right to please and to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so awesome. I chose to follow him. And so how many, how many, uh, <clears throat> how many kids, because what you did is you've given everything away, you're not working for money anymore, you're now working to take care of kids in the name of Jesus, and how many kids and people have you helped since you made this surrender? Thank you. Over 13,000 children have been able to go through the program, 13,000, and 3 1,256 children whom we care for now. We give them food, spiritual food, nourishment, then health care, education. And the main objective is to empower them with the word of God, being Christian, loving the Lord with all their heart. And then number two, give them the best education that they can have up to university level that we offer and then those who are not able to go to university, vocational training, mm -hmm. diploma in different trades, as well as courses, so that we can change our world. Because there is no other way than number one, the word of God. Because even if you feed the children, that's not the end. But when you give them the word of God and help them to articulate their talents and everything, then I think that is the best that we can do all of us in this world. That's so awesome. I want you to know, um, yeah. <clears throat> Here's, I, I, I wanna thank you again for coming to Northridge because I, I'm thankful for David, but I can't talk to David. And I'm thankful for Paul, but right now, one day I'll be able to, but I can't talk to Paul. But their story is your story. And we want you to know we're thankful for you, for the story you're living, and for how Jesus' joy in you has been used to change the world. And God bless you, Molly, and thanks for coming. Would you give him one big hand? Thank you. Thank you.
You're awesome. Thank you, Blessing. We'll see you later, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just great to see story. This is Psalm 63 right here. I mean, without God, you can experience everything in the world and still be hungering and thirsting, but with God, no matter what happens, you can be satisfied and grateful and generous, which are all parts of his story. And now, see, this, the thing we need to realize, it's not just about David in the Bible, it's not just about Paul in the Bible, it's not just about people like Mully, it's about every single one of us. We all have the chance to live the same story. And so let me just end by asking two questions. And I'm going to ask you to really honor this moment just for a minute because this is where the talk becomes either real for us or useless to us. This is the moment. First question I want to ask is, have you ever really genuinely, genuinely experienced Jesus? I'm not saying were you born religious, were you baptized, did you go through catechism, are you in church? I, uh, all that's fine. But that doesn't mean you've experienced Jesus. Have you genuinely experienced Jesus? To which, you know, I've been a pastor a long time, been a Christian a long time. A lot of people ask, well, how do I, well, how do I know, right? You'd know. I mean, if you really experience Jesus, it changes everything. That doesn't mean you're immediately perfect, doesn't mean all the weaknesses go away, doesn't mean this, but, but because he takes up residence on the inside, you're no longer the hollow shell trying to fill up anymore. You'd know. How, how do you know that you've experienced Jesus in your life? Because he, he changes you. This is what happened to David, this is what happened to Paul, this is what happened to Molly, this is what happened to me. This is what will happen to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they become a, a new creation. Brand new. The old is gone. The new is here. If that's not you, it can be. And so just before I ask you the last question, I'm, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you. You don't have to say this out loud. You don't have to, you know be demonstrable about it, but in your heart, if you open your life to Jesus like Mully talked about, like I've done, I'm telling you, that's the beginning of changing everything. So would you bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And as we pray, I just really want to encourage you, take my words in this prayer and make them yours. And just say, Jesus, I, I need you to fill me with your life. The old, the old, that which I've done without you, and I've, I've sinned against you, I've messed up, I've blown it. I need you to make it new and forgive me. Take my desperate past and fill it, my future with meaning. You died on the cross for my sin. Forgive me, Jesus. You rose again to give me new life. I trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, just before I ask you the last question, which I believe is where each and every one of us needs to walk out of here thinking about, I just want to encourage you, if you just prayed with me, would you let me know? We make it really, really, really easy. We give you these programs when you walk in, and if you're in Northridge Saline, Northridge Brighton, Northridge Grozeal, Northridge Plymouth, just take this thing out if you prayed with me and fill out this connection card. It's really simple. This is just so we can communicate with you. And there's a question that says, you prayed with me. And if you did, check it off. What we want to do is we want to give you a Bible so that you can start reading God's word on your own. And we want to tell you next steps that you can take in your journey with God. And we just need to know you prayed with me. And so all you do with this card is there are boxes at every single exit. Just drop it in one of those boxes and we'll send you the Bible and the information. If you're watching online, hit the what next button and we'll do the same thing for you. But there's a second question that this is really, really important for each and every one of us. This isn't, have you ever experienced in a genuine way Jesus in your life? That's past tense. This is a present tense question. Are you now genuinely experiencing Jesus in your life? Are you experiencing Jesus in a genuine way in your life right now? And you might say, well, how, how would I know? And I know this sounds simple and almost, you know, ridiculous, but I'll, I'll give you the same answer I gave you with the first one. It's, you'd know. Because you wouldn't be trying to fill your life up with stuff. You, you wouldn't think that your life would be solved if you finally got a match on match.com. Now look at getting a match is great. It doesn't solve your problems though. How many of you are married would say, nope, it doesn't solve your problems. <laughs> How would you know if you're experiencing Jesus in life right now? He would be your passion right now. He'd be what you think about, what you sing about, what you cling to, what you look to for security. He would be the one that you find hope in. Not a world without terrorism, but a world with Jesus in the midst of it. I mean, he would be your hope. He would be your joy. He would be your life. Is he? If, if you are experiencing Jesus right now, he would be the one you're trying to please. If you were experiencing Jesus right now, you'd be seeking him earnestly like David. This is how you'd know. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Do you know what could make this week different for us? Not the world changing, but us changing. Because we experience Jesus this week and... He fills us with brand new passions. And imagine how different the world would be if every single one of us left here with the passion for God consuming us. We'd be a bunch of mulies, and the world would never be the same. And that's my prayer for us. And just before you leave, I, I want to encourage you in three ways. The movie's tonight at 6.30 here at Northridge. It's in theaters right now. You can go pay money if you'd like, but they're letting us show the movie at all, at Northridge Plymouth, Northridge Grosseal, Northridge Brighton. They're, they're letting us show the movie here, and it's free. And all you have to do is come and invite your families and friends and neighbors and come in to see this movie, and the story of Mully will really impact your life. Uh, if you'd like to meet Mully, he's actually going to be in 1201. It's the room right behind the lobby here in Plymouth, and he's 
he's in there and he's, he's talking to people and signing books and things. You can go meet him. Love for you to do that. And, and before you go, can I just say that you, my Northridge family, guests, we're so glad you're here, but you, my Northridge family, I just want you to know how grateful I am for you, how thankful I am for you, and how much I wish that in this week for you that you'll have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. And I can't wait to see you next week. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Sacrifice can now